Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. This is what happened. I'm like, I should have been recording. Do you want to ask me how to pronounce my name again then? And I could just go into it. <laughs> well, I mean, for total transparency, so I will just say that... <laughs> no, no, no. So I will say that I'm delighted to be speaking to Joanna Suskind. Such a beautiful name that I have obviously never heard and never said before. And you were just telling me all about the name. So Joanna Suskind, please tell me all about your wonderful name and where it comes from. Well... My grandpa was born in Hamburg and mm-hmm. um, his name is Werner Suskind, also awesome name. Nicer combination than Joanna Suskind, I think. Um, and mm. it means sweet child, Suskind, a sweet child, uh, or Fairbairn in Scottish, if you want to if you wanna go down that route. Um, but yeah, it's really great to have a name that not that many people have. And I like it in business, especially because people always remember it. And people normally can't pronounce it, but that's a nice way to remember it, well, I suppose. Yeah. And I just, I, yeah, I was just like staying on that train of people not being able to pronounce your name, which must be very annoying. Apologies. Quite often people mistook it for uh, Houston. When I used to phone taxis and things, if I was shouting Suskind over a crowd, people would say Houston. So I started just booking taxis under the name Houston. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Totally. So, such a such a beautiful name. And, thank you. Um, and I'm so glad that you reached out to me. I'm delighted to be speaking to you. Um, I mean, I'm going to list some stuff, but I feel like it's not even going to do you justice because you're clearly a very talented person that does so many things. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you've probably invented an eighth day of the week that I don't know. Gosh. But I, I do <laughs> know that you are an animator and you make indirect films. You run Toad's Caravan which is a co-working space for creatives. You also run All the Young Nudes, which is a life-drawing club, which has been running for, like, so long. And I think, actually, I think it was your All the Young Nudes page that I'd followed just maybe a couple of weeks ago. Somebody obviously chaired it. And then Audra, who's been on the podcast, (laughs) who now um, runs Creative Mornings Glasgow, I was yep. speaking last week or the week before had mentioned your name and I was like oh wait 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 a minute and it's all these wee connections you're like that seems to be my life <laughs> connecting the dots has been my thing except in the last year where it's like where are all the dots where is everybody yeah the dots it's a bit strange actually <laughs> when you're a kind of this kind of person where all my connections and all my work is kind of from being somewhere and connecting to this person to this person to this person and that's generally how things work for me and I guess it's why I've ended up doing so many different things because I like being out and seeing what other people are doing and you get a little you get an idea from someone and you talk to them and you move on next thing next thing um so I definitely have found it's probably a good thing for me to be honest because I'm probably the fastest moving person in the world not not (laughs) necessarily in a good way uh, but very very busy all the time and this last year has been much less so mm, and I'd say peace. this has probably been a great um learning curve for me to try to stay low-key yeah I think a lot of people have, have definitely mentioned that on the podcast like creatives especially people that are working in the creative industries have said that because you're just on that treadmill especially if you're working for yourself and you do have your 
handing a lot of different pies. It's kind of like go, 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 go. And then, you know, we had no option but to, to at least pause, if not mm. come to an almighty halt <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a <yeah>. while. <laughs> we actually kind of, um, so all the young nudes, yeah, that's been going for 13 years. Um, I know crazy and actually it started because not because but I was working at the GSA in a commercial wing there um, after I graduated from my master's in animation at, at GSA and I ended up working in this commercial wing doing a whole host of crazy amazing things most amazing job as your first job at uni basically doing 3D laser scanning of amazing buildings like uh, Stirling Castle, Rosslyn Chapel. And oh. um, I was the project coordinator for the Mount Rushmore 3D laser scanning trip. What? So I, yeah. And I was really into climbing at the time. So they were like, okay, Joanna is a laser scanner and a climber. So we're going to stick her uh, on the on the abseil with the scanner and she can go down the nose and scan the, yeah, this was yes. an, an awesome thing that I actually didn't end up doing because I, quit my job before the trip on purpose but um kind of do regret a little bit not being Mm. dropped off the edge of the nose to scan and then make a 3d model of um the heads at Mount Rushmore that would have been kind of cool but while I was in that job I'm I'm describing this job and then I was about to say I was really uh looking for something creative to do but (laughs) I guess it was it was it was one of these jobs where I was so new and the role had been created for me that that there was there was a lot on all the time, but I was spread quite thin, and there was never much. Um, I'd, I'd never thought about working for myself, but at that when I worked in that job, I realised there's something I want to do that isn't here. That's that's me. There's something I want to do that would that isn't um, building this 3D model of Govan or scanning Rosslyn Chapel and attaching lots of high res photographs to every stone. And I mean, it was really it was really nice, but. Um, it was very, very intense first job. And I started kind of with my classmates from art school. I started on Tuesday nights, a little life drawing club with friends. Uh, so I don't know if you remember the Flying Duck Club in Glasgow. Well, it's still around. It's just not been open, obviously. Yeah. So back in the day, we used to go to the Flying Duck four nights a week or something. And a friend of mine was the manager and he uh, I asked him if we could use the club room on a Tuesday night. I was like, oh, there's never anyone in there on Tuesday night. And uh, they had the bar open, but never the club room. And he said, oh, yeah, you can use that for whatever. So there was maybe eight, ten of us. And we we had the decks to ourselves and uh, we were all drinking beer. And then we found someone who was like, oh, I've, I've done a bit of life modeling so I can be the model. And it was just a, a small group of us. And it's because we didn't get much life drawing experience at at uni while we were studying okay. and we'd all found okay. it really useful for animation mm. especially character animation but it was just part of the course three months and that was it so we went in on Tuesday nights and then I don't even remember how it escalated but really quickly people were like I'm bringing a mate because this is really fun and within a year it was like a hundred people are queuing at the door every single week and we would do it was so much fun we would do it was me and my friend Charlie that ran it together at the beginning and uh, my friend Aldo came up with the name All the Young Nudes and we came up with a brand and then it was like you know Mm. four pound entry fee let's just cover costs here and we would have as many models as as there were um for for however many people so for every extra 20 people you got another model and 
So there'd be nights where you'd walk into the Flying Duck and there's like one model here, 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 here. And we did like different lighting setups and uh, it was just so much fun. But the most kind of like putting on a show every single week. Yeah. And nothing like what I was doing during the day. So I used to get so psyched for like, right, what music we're going to play tonight? What's the theme? Who's modeling? Like real production every time. So much amazing positive feedback and also the most amazing thing that kind of kicked off everything else that I do still now was meeting all these people. So they would all, I just asked them, we had a wee, a wee pad at the door and just everybody stick your name down if you want and uh, pay your four pounds. And everybody did write their name down, their email address and a little bit smiley faces and like, I love this, keep doing this. And there was no one doing anything like it at the time. So it was crazy. And we got, actually got so much press at the time, BBC. And there was a reporter from the BBC who came in and uh, modelled. He was like, I want to do a story while I'm modelling. So he put on Amazing. headphones and he sat nude while we sketched him and spoke. He was like, okay, it's a bit strange. I, here I am and I can, it's kind of quiet. There's music, but I can hear the scribbling. It's actually more intense than I thought. And it was such a cool thing to that watch him so cool. reporting as a yeah, model. Yeah, good on him. Yeah, amazing. I think it was Hugh Williams, Hugh Williams from the BBC. I'm sure the story's That's still cool. up there somewhere. It was it was just so much fun, such a great thing to have on the side. But the the best thing that it really did for me personally was that I met all these people. I'd like read the list at the end of the night, and it was so and so from National Theatre, so and so from Citizens Theatre, so and so from the BBC. It's all these creative professionals who used to come in and say, "I've not done life drawing since I was at school, or since I was at art school." And um, when we were life drawing in art school, there was a day where my tutor came to me. And turned my easel around to the class and said, this is how you don't do it. And was pointing at things in my drawing and saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And I actually, I'm not that good at drawing, but I actually thought they were quite good. I'd done a weird, a different style. I'd done something strange. And he was just saying, this is wrong. And it really, really annoyed me and really kind yeah. of got to me because I was like, why are you telling me that my drawing is wrong? You know, I thank him for giving me the <laughs> the drive to do this because uh, the whole point about all the young nudes is there's no no tuition anyone can come we've always encouraged people like bring your mom bring your dad bring a date like you're gonna have fun here and it's not you don't need to bring anything so it was always very this is what's made it difficult online because we were busy because we encouraged people like you've stepped out of work you're in town you don't maybe want to go home yet and you're in the yeah. pub and you're like, oh, my God, are they drawing in there? I want to do that. And that used to be half our audience. They'd be sitting in the pub and I would come through and say, hey, guys, are you just in for a drink? Do you want to come and join us? And Yeah, uh, that, that kind of organic, like, yeah. you know, just come and have a go kind of thing. Yeah. And so many people used to pop down on their own. And so many of those people are my really close friends now. Like a few people I met at one of the f first few sessions ever 13 years ago. And at the end... We'd all go into the pub next door and sit and look at drawings and chat. And it was just the nicest thing. And I guess that is missing from because um, we're doing all the young nudes online now. And it's been amazing. And I can I can tell you a little bit about that because it's completely different. But yeah. I guess the whole organic um, thing, like I never promoted all the young nudes originally. It was word of mouth. It was just so cool to see people showing up every single week, new people. And so exciting to be meeting everybody and also giving four or five life models some work every single week. And yeah, it was just, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It, it was a really nice buzz and, and it's very different to the online mm. world. Yeah. I was just thinking 
probably as well because it was that organic thing and you were pulling people in that maybe didn't think they were going to end up there one night you were probably myth busting a lot of the time as well about what life drawing classes are and what or what they can be and that you can do this and there's no right way of doing it like you're saying mm. and that the atmosphere and it is fun and it's not serious and it's not cd or whatever md mm. thinks has got you know they, they can preconceived ideas that people maybe would have about that yeah. did you did you have that kind of feedback at the time like people saying this is just like totally not what I expected yeah absolutely and that kind of feedback was amazing and then there would be it was also it was also casual and fun and the fact that it was run by friends and um our friends owned the club there was no nobody was in it for anything other than having a good time mm. um yeah. And really kind of pushing this like creative energy because it, we always played David Bowie and we let people request songs. And it's just it's such it's so much like a party, just run like running an event. Um, oh, of course, it was running an event. It is running an event, but it, it really was so different to what mm. people would imagine a, a life drawing class is. Yes. But um, we had a lot of fun experiences in, real, in person as well, where maybe a model wouldn't show up. This happened all the time. So the models can't make it, they're stuck in traffic, or they just decided not to come. And so when there's 100 people in the room, I could say, okay, this area doesn't have a model. Is anyone going to just, and always, always, someone quickly would stand up and say, I'll do it. Gosh. We just kind of saw these these amazing um People ticking this off their bucket list and coming up to me yes. and saying, I cannot wait to go home and tell my friend, my boyfriend, whoever, that I've just done this. It's like something I would never have thought I've done and I can't believe I've just done it and I feel amazing. So watching that was really nice as well. What a lovely thing to hold space for people. Like it must be really rewarding. And like you're saying, you've you've pivoted online and I'm sure that has been really challenging. But again, in these times, especially, you know, last year when it just felt like there was, like, nothing and everything had stopped overnight, a lot of people will have really, like, your classes will have been such a lifeline for a lot of people just mm, to yeah. stay connected and Absolutely. stay creative. And, and it's such a privilege to hold space for people, whether mm. it be online or in the room. Definitely. And there's actually something about in-person where people sometimes wouldn't give you the feedback where they would online. So they wouldn't yes. come up to me and they don't want to bother you if you're clearing up or, or hosting whatever. But in, in the internet, uh, people really let you know. And it's so nice because I get quite a lot of letters and notes from people saying what it's done for their kids or, or them. Or um, yeah, it's so lovely. So lovely that that's uh, that we've been able to reach people and do that mm. and also reach a lot of people we had a lot of people sign up at the beginning who said they'd always wanted to come to all the young nudes but they didn't live in scotland um God, yeah so that was nice because we were at one point we were glasgow edinburgh dundee and aberdeen and um just me running it but i would go and train a couple of people and um i've always been a very kid like i never studied business and mm. i i'm very don't know what the word is uh, where I just make friends with people and then suddenly they're also working for me. I'm not good with contracts, not good <laughs> contracts, good at making friends and giving away lots and lots of information. Don't know what the word is for it. Not, so, not such a bad thing at all. That You sound like an mm, excellent friend. Uh, well, <laughs> not so great at running, uh, um, mm. at, at maintaining professional relationships. I, they just because I just I tell everybody everything, personal, business, whatever. I, I share everything all the time. All the youngness has always been on the side of. Um, I mean, I would always have called it my hobby side project on the side right, of running yep. 
Toad's Caravan, which is a co-working space that started in 2010. So all the young nudes preceded it by a couple of years. And the co-working space um, that kind of came about because of all the young nudes, because I'd met so many people and spoken to so many artists and creatives who said they would love to have a place to work, but they don't plan on trying to get employment with an agency or trying to be yeah. part of anything. They just want to work for themselves, but they don't want to work at home. So started the co-working space. And again, there wasn't anything like that in Glasgow. And we were down in Ruthven Lane. And when I opened that co-working space after leaving my job, in, in that job, my first job out of university, um, like I said, there was a lot going on. I covered many different, I was basically wearing a different hat every day, 10 different hats every day, which is actually really suited to me. That's where I found mm, out this is actually working for me. Um, <laughs> Give me that other hat, I'll wear yeah. that and all. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, my boss said, um, I think it would be quite good if you were in a sort of producer type of a role. Um, bearing in mind, my skills were 3D modeling and animation. And mm-hmm. so I, I felt a bit like this sounds really, really, really cool. And I'd love it, but I'm not trained. I'm not, I don't know how to do this. So it was an exciting proposition, an exciting proposition. And um, I got to meet and start, I started working with lots of different people all over the country from different media companies and ended up on the phone all the time. Really, really good. I was the go-between um, <laughs> for su- suddenly it was like an office of ten guys doing three D modeling, and then suddenly there's like a girl calling them, chatting. Mm-hmm. So I think our kind of client base opened up quite a lot, and um, I really enjoyed it. Did a lot of animated presentations. I got really great feedback, and it was all really good. But then things things didn't really go. They weren't going in the right direction for me in the job. But a lot of the people that I was working for through the job were saying to me that they'd love to work with me. And I was really confused because I didn't understand how they would work with me if they didn't work with me at this job. And it was only uh, at the very end where one of them said, he's a producer of a company down south from London. And he said, well, if you had your own agency just right now, I would be I would be working directly with you rather than through the art school. Strange thing for me to hear. I couldn't believe that that was an option for me. And so that kind of planted a seed. And when I did leave, I ended up very again it was really serendipitous I was I think I was probably on the way into town for all the young nudes one night and uh, or I used to walk the same route down um, Huntley Gardens through Ruthven Lane and then into Hillhead Subway and there were always these two guys uh, really friendly really lovely guys standing outside next to DiMaggio's and it was like why are these guys all standing here looking so cool and one day I walked past them I was just like why are you guys always standing here what do you do and uh, this, and one of them, his name's Ike, now a really good friend. And he said, oh, we work inside. I run an agency. I was like, oh, uh, can I, can I, I can't remember what happened to him. Either he said, do you want to come in and see? Or I said, can I come in and see? I don't know what happened. Yeah. But he said, the unit next to me is empty. Do you want, do you want to come in and see? And I said, yes. Yeah. Went inside. And all I remember is him showing me around and uh, me thinking oh this is where all the people from this is where we could all be sitting and it had yeah. been like a Tesco call center or something so it's just like a, many many plugs and just like a nasty wee room but lots of light and I was like oh my god this is so cool this is so exciting hmm. uh, and then he bearing in mind I just met this person so kind so sweet and so encouraging he said he was just saying you should do this <laughs> I was like okay I'm gonna so cool. I guess he also showed me around his office and he was like all his staff and everybody was so friendly and so lovely and everyone just looked like they were being very productive and having a great time. And I thought, oh my God, that's oh my, my life could be like this. I yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, doing the same thing next door. Well, not really. They run a, a 
web design consultancy and uh, so I wanted to open it obviously as a co-working space so I put a message an email out to everybody on my all the young nudes mailing list which was about two three thousand at this point really amazing networking tool to have that weekly meetup and so within six months the studio was full of 15 people and um it kind of just became I think how long was it there I was in Ruffin Lane for seven years but it turned into not just a place for people to work from I don't even know how I did right thinking about this just now makes me tired (laughs) but any one day I would have you know there's 15 20 people paying me rent and Mm -hmm. we're all friends we're going across to the chip for beers Uh, everybody's got a dog so it's just this madhouse it's the dream yeah all of our clients like come to the studio for meetings and we had a really formal, it was kind of hilarious because it was like a mad fun house in there. Like I decorated it kind of crazy, uh, kind of crazy and beautiful, but just full of old vintage things that we uh, wow. borrowed, borrowed from the vintage shop downstairs in the muse. Yeah. yeah. And plants and clients used to come in and we had a kind of, I always, I always thought everything was fake, like a fake reception, fake meeting room. But it wasn't, it was just that. And and it was just so lovely to be so professional because people would come in and look around and everybody's clicking, clicking and working. And everyone's got all these like beautiful pieces of art and inspiration above their desks. And the clients would look around and be like, wow, I have all these people working for you. I'd be like, no, no, they don't work for me. They they just work here. But it was just such a nice vibe. And quite often clients would come in and say, I love what she's doing. Could she be the illustrator for the project that that they were asking me about. So I became a kind of, um, I was like the producer on many, many small kind of to big projects. Like quite often I'd have my friend Bruce animating and then another guy, Justin animating and somebody else illustrating. And then we'd go back to the, actually go back to my friend that I met when I was working at the DDS at GSA. His name is Paul Wilson. He's a, an amazing sound designer. So all our animation projects I would take to him. He's a really, really professional guy that does um, sound dubs for the BBC and documentaries. So he kind of also introduced me to the world of you could be, because um, I worked with him a lot when I was in my first job and he was like, oh, you could you could do this. No problem. Like bring your, bring your animations to me. I'll put the sound on them, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like just kind of sidestepping your way into like the film industry and owning it you know very kind of it just always feels like it was we cheat we just snuck in all of us just snuck in what you're saying to me just it totally resonates in the sense that people are important to you and the connections that you've made and I think that's always lovely to hear because I know how lucky I've been in my career and it's been down to other people just saying yes but it sounds to me also that you're a yes person and that you go Mm. with your gut and you're you're obviously like in tune with yourself to know what's right for you and and yeah, you know, it sounds well, like you made like quite a massive leap. Yeah. But it was obviously you were but then you made it work. Like you made it happen. It's not like you just turned up in this office was all like all singing or dancing and you were like, I'll just run this. Like you actually made that happen, Joanna. That's a mm. lot of work. Like it sounds like so much work, but you were obviously buzzing and just loving it and that mm. the energy from yeah, the people absolutely. that you were kind of collaborating with. Yeah. I think going with my gut, but unfortunately my gut only says yes. so sometimes you find yourself thinking oh my god why (laughs) we could do a wee swap because I've got one that just keeps saying no all the time it's holding me back so you could have some of mine and if I could have some of yours we could just do a wee like one for one I would love that how do we do that what what kit do we need to make this real because I need to like blend our chemistry Uh so 
Well, I feel yeah. like I'm getting I'm getting so much great vibes from you already. I'm like, mm. just give me your energy. I'm loving it. I'm loving Thank it. Thank you. I mean, the podcast is called The Bra and the Brave. You know, it sounds like you're extremely brave. Well, it's kind of one of these things where people people have always said to me, How do you, how did you know how to how did you know how to do this, that, and the other thing? And I don't know why, but I have never been scared to try something. I don't know why. And people always ask me that um, because I do quite a lot of talks with students and um, Mm -hmm. I've got quite a lot of friends who are lecturers and they they like me to tell my story of how I started up. And people always say, students especially, they always say, or young people say, how did you know? Or like, weren't you scared to da-da-da-da-da? But I mean, I don't know why. I guess it's because you get more wins than you do failures but I've had so many failures as well but they're the things that make me more excited to get the wins again if that makes sense so if if everything had always been good I guess I still wouldn't be scared but it's not realistic like Mm -hmm. we've had I've had so many things that failed so I went to um at some point kind of mid towards caravan like some mid it's about 2014 so we'd been in business for four years with co-working space all going really well but I really wanted a change I felt like there wasn't I felt like I just needed something new and my uncle lives in Park Slope in Brooklyn so I uh, wanted to go out to New York and I messaged somebody basically I remember sitting in the meeting room at Toad's Caravan I I took my computer into the meeting room and I was like I'm going to email this girl I found her online she works from a studio in New York that uh, has people, uh, amazingly inspirational people, people that work for Facebook and Spotify and other designers um, who I really admire. And I saw that they have a studio together and I messaged one of the girls there to say, I would love to come and work at your studio. I can't remember what I said, but I sent a really exciting email. It was just like, I'm waving at you from Glasgow and I want to come and be in your studio and run a co-working space here and I want to see what yours is like. And she got back to me and said, this is amazing because I'm going to Mexico for two months and my desk is going to be free. So you can just come and like live my life for a few months if you want. I couldn't believe that she'd written back to say that. And um, so I went and stayed there for three months and... Didn't, no, I didn't stay with my uncle. I stayed on the same street as my uncle, but I rented a place of my own. And um, I, I continued doing running all the young nudes. I had staff and I continued running the co-working space from afar. And I had one or two wee jobs on as well. So it's like, oh, yeah. this would be a good test. Can I work remotely? And I just got so, so much energy and had so much fun in New York that I came back like, I came back like, I almost couldn't breathe. I was so excited. <laughs> um and then what did I do? Oh, yeah. So I got, it was quite frustrating because a lot of my clients, um, I found that a lot of my clients didn't want to do anything crazy. They just wanted to do the same thing. So I had all these new ideas and they were like, hmm, like, that guys. seems risky. <laughs> like, oh, no, but it'd be so yeah. cool. But I guess I got some of that creative energy out through all the young nudes, posted many, many like mad life drawing events at festivals and all these different ah. things. But I also opened up. This is insane. I don't understand or know where this came from, but I was running a sushi catering company as well. And we were doing (laughs) Joe Sushi, obviously. We had to rebrand to iSushi, like A-Y-E Sushi, because Yo Sushi got in touch and we're like, quit with the Joe Sushi. This is everything on my words. That was just friends as well. And a, a friend of mine had he has all the wee pods for the festivals and he gave me a pod for tea in the park and was like come and do the healthy eating at tea in the park um for this in the staff area it was insane it was mental blondie on stage and I was making sushi so silly no wonder you have so many people in your life like because people just must like literally be like I just need to hang out with Joanna because like exciting things happen when she's around you just have like an energy about you like an aura about you 
that obviously, you know, I mean, you're putting out good energy, you're doing great things, and people gravitate, good people with good ideas and energy gravitate towards yeah. that. That's how it I works. mean, the people that want to come and sleep in tents and make sushi for six days straight are fun people (laughs) my best friends in the world because they did that for me and jesus christ it was insane uh but where was it going was i not telling a story you came back from new york buzzing and your clients were like we want to play it safe and you were like no no so what i what i did when i came back was i went downstairs in the muse there's an empty unit that'd been empty for a long time and I asked the landlord if I could borrow it for a while and put it with a with a view to oh I don't know anyway he gave me gave me a slightly discounted rental and I tried to well we opened a coffee shop called peep show coffee because it was basically so cool to see people now with all these hatches but when I was in Brooklyn in Williamsburg in 2014 I was like this is the most awesome thing walking down the street and everyone opens up their hatch and you just grab a coffee on the way back you don't even need to go in so that's what I wanted to do for the co-workers and people in uh, on Barrows Road yeah. so I got someone to build us a wee hatch and yes. I got a uh, work with Dear Green Lisa Dear Green and uh-huh. uh, we did the whole coffee training thing and I got like I wanted it to be kind of like a co-op. So I got like 10 pals to come and do the free coffee training. And then we had a rota of lots of different people who just kind of manned the coffee hatch. But on the side, it was just a big unit with a glass frontage. So peep show coffee. I thought that can just be every month, different things. So put wee notes. I put like little pieces of paper in the window and said, what do you want to do in here? And I feel like this is something that happens now, but this, nobody was doing, nobody did this before this because people were picking up these pieces of paper and writing ideas down. Like I still have the spreadsheet where we were like, oh my God, these ideas are so cool. And we did it. Like uh, friends of mine ran a cinema, Das Kino, and they put up the red curtains and they got the licenses for the movies oh. and we got the chairs in and you came in in the evening into Ruthven Lane and you sat and watched like they put on Mystic Pizza I remember that was one of the films yes. they put on yeah and they were screening just amazing films and oh we had what? like tables and chairs and it was brilliant it was so much fun so people hired it for a month so that kind of covered our rent we get them in God. to hire it and run their own wee business from it for a month somebody I did a couple of exhibitions for all the young nudes so we had uh, all the people that were sketching in Flying Duck they all framed up the work and we did like salon hang what else did we do we had like a couple of wee gigs but everyone who came in so when I first did peep show I painted the front like a mad mural and -hmm. everyone who came in it was like you guys have to repaint the front so it's your thing so for one month only everybody repainted the front of the shop was just insane doing peep show kind of I think it kind of nearly killed me because it was really scary because um I think I was single at the time a lot of the time I remember I was single running peep show because I remember being really scared a couple of times late at night because I had to like lock up the lane and a couple of times when we were having events and screenings like a couple dodgy people came in and I remember thinking I am doing something that's fun but also I'm like in quite a vulnerable position I remember a few times Mm. being like this is quite scary actually and I also remember thinking at the time when I was doing all that I was thinking I'm so busy because I've I've always I'm very romantic I've always been like I'm looking for the one my whole life and I've always loved dating so through all this madness I've just been telling you about I've been like on online dating since I was whatever age really really young so just always dating on the side and I remember with this peep show thing I was like I'm doing so much now I don't even have time to talk to my mum. So if I keep no. going this fast, doing this many things, like I'm it's cool. And I'm meeting all these great people, but no, because when will I hang out with the one? 
if I meet him just now, it's just too crazy. So I ended up like quite soon after that, or maybe it was before that, but I ended up getting a dog because I was like, this will make me stay home more. (laughs) And um, so just the pace is is definitely, it's not, it's not what it was, (laughs) but it's better. Although now that I'm telling all these stories, it was just so much fun. And it's actually, um, no, I feel like it sparked something in you. You're going to be like, I just can't, I can't because now we're building a house. So I've I've met the one, met him online. Got married three years ago and oh, uh, he's amazing. He's a carpenter and he's from Botswana. And when we for, after we met, we went to we went to Botswana for a month mm-hmm. together and we were kind of renovating his parents' house there and that's where he asked me to marry him. And um he's just oh, the funny. most amazing person in the world and he's built me a house. I mean, we designed it together, we drew a wee picture, we we used to walk along the canal, um, this was when I first met Ben. Walk along the canal and look at these old warehouses on the other side of the canal, and we're like, "Imagine you could just who owns that warehouse? What could we do in it? Or could we build a house in it? Could we build like an event space with the house?" We just used to talk about this all the time, and then we somebody told us about this project that the council were running, self build pilot project. This this is real, right? We found out about this Glasgow self build project through a friend, Karen, who's actually one of the people who's building a a house on our street as well. And I contacted the project coordinator and she said, all good that you're interested, but there's a massive waiting list and you're just not going to get in because the six plots have been taken up for a long time. So maybe in a couple of years, but, you know, good luck. Then we went on our honeymoon. And while we were on our honeymoon, we got an email to say somebody had dropped out. Did we still want to do it? And we had already bought a flat because this was over quite a long time. Wow. We'd already bought another flat and renovated it, and it was just oh, things. Things were just insane. But somebody that was working in the co-working space at the time, who was an architect, I remember getting the email. I was like, I don't know how to say no. I don't know how to say no. I can't. Like, I don't know what to say. And he was like, Why are you saying no? Why are you saying no? And he was like, Don't be ridiculous. I'm not asking for anything. Why? Why would you say no? And so I just wrote back saying, We're in. And. Um, <laughs> It's it's the most amazing and surreal project in the world because the piece of land is 600 square metres in size and it costs £45,000 only. It's fully serviced and we get to design our own house. So Ben and I, have we drew a picture, made a 3D model. He's a carpenter and I've got all this 3D modelling experience and we're both, uh, we both love all the same things and want the same things in life and we basically designed this kind of like American style ranch house that we've now built in Mary Hill and we're also being featured on Grand Design so we also have like film crews around all the time <laughs> and still running all the young notes and still trying to animate and trying to have a family and just oh, our life my constantly crazy in a good way always <laughs> I'm actually stunned stunned like when you said I mean you had me at Grand Designs when you messaged me because I was like actual dream i watched that program religiously i've probably watched every episode about a bajillion times like the dream oh is goodness. to build your own house like we were obsessed with the show obsessed uh-huh. as in ben and i've watched every episode and then i from the beginning i was saying we should go on grand designs why not it'd be so great and everybody was saying but they don't pay the contributors and why would you bother and da-da-da. i was just like i don't understand how this isn't an amazing thing to promote what i do what ben does in our house this is yes. like to meet Kevin okay. McLeod, to meet other builders, like come on, what's the yeah. um so an adventure. I kept email emailing them over and over again. And <laughs> do you know what I think? Well, whether or not this helped them decide, um, we were living 
in a static caravan on site. So this was two summers ago now. And we bought the land. And as soon as we bought the land, Ben, because he is just a brave, creative genius, and grew up in Africa and his parents have built their own house. So he's just like in this mindset. These are things that I would never have thought to do. Like, okay, I've got all these crazy ideas I've just told you about, but I would never have said, let's just move on site into a caravan with no services or anything. So Ben said that and he was like, oh, then we rent out the flat. So amazing idea. And our flat was, we'd done it up really, really to we'd we basically moved into a shell and completely renovated it and so it was airbnb plus and it, we got we got booked up fully and moved into the caravan no services and started renovating the caravan to practice so we we're like absolutely exhausted by the end of the summer and um unfortunately at the end of that first kind of six months of being in the caravan Ben's dad passed away and we had to go away to Malta and then we came back and it was winter and everything kind of slowed down and we were just all feeling really sad and well and we moved back into the flat for a while just to kind of just to feel a bit more grounded and try and of course you know um and somebody burnt the caravan down with all our stuff inside it not only all of our things, but lots of Ben's parents' things because we were looking after their possessions. So, no way. oh my, I'm so yeah. sorry. I mean, it now oh, feels like a distant memory because it was so. I mean, it was so traumatic, so horrible, and so frightening. And um, oh my god, that's god awful. And so it was just this black patch of burnt stuff on the ground. And uh, within a few weeks of that happening, Grand Designs were like, "We're in. We're interested." <laughs> We were like, okay, we know how this goes. But it was a bit strange because it was so close to the time of of, of these things happening. There was quite there was kind of a series of of things that happened. Like we lost a pregnancy and then another one and, and all these things happened while the film crew were around. So it's kind of your worst nightmare because you're thinking, I would I wanted to be on TV, but I wanted to just talk about the house and and try to yeah. be excited to be myself but then being at the house with the cameras when you've gone through these things but you don't want to talk on national television about anything so um, I, I mean it was it was really really great having them there because it's an amazing thing that we're doing and we're we're really lucky and we are really happy positive people so it's so nice to have the film crew there and should just kind of get out of any um any of the bad things that have happened yeah yeah a welcome distraction maybe a nice escape yeah let me just say in this moment i appreciate you being that honest with me and on this podcast like because up until this point i'm listening to this and i'm like oh my gosh like joanna's life is amazing you know and all these amazing experiences and adventures but your life is real yeah and real life things happen to you and it hasn't always been plain sailing there's just been all these amazing highlight moments that you've made made real like you've made happen but also along the way there's been hurdles and then these big life events that you know you don't you don't get to escape either like that's just yeah. life isn't it and, and it is difficult when you host events and and run a co-working space where you're a social person you're around people all the time and when these things started to happen I mean I kind of really believe in that not not in a not in a weird way but when you stay positive and good things start to happen, it kind of rolls and rolls and rolls. And sometimes when bad things happen and then you let them affect you, then more bad things seem to happen. And I feel like that is quite a real thing. And it's a kind of about, it's just about how you feel yourself and how you 
who you let in and who you don't let in. But running the co-working space with all these things happening in the background was really, really difficult for Ben and I because we moved to we moved the co-working space to the south side. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were on Pollockshaw's Road for two years and it did so well there. And uh, that was that was like our little safe place. Actually, when we're in the caravan, it's always like we can go back, and that's where the community is, and all these pe- friends and people that we met from running that space. It was just that was so lovely to have. Unfortunately, because of COVID, we had to stop because yeah, of course, it, it just had to stop. Um, so yeah. that's kind of sad to lose that community because I always, I've always had. Ever since I started on my own, I feel like ever since I've been a grown up since 2010, I've had yeah. somewhere, no matter what's going on, I go into the studio and there's 10, 15 Some, people around me. I would have thought like being an animator would be like quite a solitary existence, but it sounds to me like you've engineered your work so that you're always around other people. So you, yeah, you might be on the computer doing your thing, but there's always somebody to reach out to. Mm. And I always needed them there to help me because I'm not very good at animating. <laughs> I'm creative and I like having ideas, but in terms of the actual clicking and the and the things to do with the computers, I'm not, I mean, I'm okay now, but I always needed um, some of the guys that started with me in the studio. They, I mean, they just helped me every day. I just turn around and say, I can't do this. Can someone please come and do this for me? So, um, I mean, now the house is basically done but we don't have the co-working space so there's like a tiny part of me that's like should I be but I know that I need to just I know that we need to just finish the house and enjoy living in the house for a while before I start doing anything else before COVID even kind well before lockdown started uh, mm-hmm. we kind of saw what was happening and somebody again from the co-working space this is, this is how you do things just know loads of people who do different things yes this is how you do everything. You can't just sit on your own and think of ideas. No, you have to... I'm rubbish at being a moan anyway. I, need, I constantly need help. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy, Eric, so he was um, in the touring crew for Pearl Jam and knows a lot about media and live streaming and blah, 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 blah. He'd said to me many months ago, you should live stream all the young nudes. That wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? And I was like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't see how that'd be that cool. I don't get it. Didn't really get it at all. And... <laughs> Um, when I heard about this possible lockdown, I was like, Eric. And he came round to our flat in the south side with all this live streaming kit. And I got one of the life models and we went on YouTube. This was like 16th of March. So not a person had yeah. done one thing that was anything like this. And we went live on YouTube and there were like 300 people. Jesus. And it was my friend Irvin and my dog. So Frank and Irvin, and I had a bird's eye camera set up in the bed and it was amazing. Then YouTube took it down, but it kickstarted this amazing thing. That's like, so that I know there's a lot of people doing life drawing online and um, they're all doing it on Zoom and they've got this and that and the other thing, but I'm an animator and I present events and shows and I make fun and I like it to be with music and I like it to be, it's not just one thing. It's the package. So I tried to recreate. I tried so hard. I don't think I slept for a week. I just got kit and things and toys and lights and so many things and subscribed to channels. And I just did so much mad stuff and um, with the help of Ben and plugged everything in, in and out and out a thousand times and then present like created all this animated content because I wanted it to be like, kind of like Art Attack or Tony Hart. I was like, I'm going to do a show. Like, it's going to be fun. And it was. And people were like, there was 500 people in the room one night and we're, and it's all like really, really super sharp HD. And I'm streaming poses from like the beach in Mallorca. And we've got a playlist and there's people chatting over here. And we just had so much fun with it. 
And it was amazing. And I couldn't believe that it had to happen because it basically saved us because we had to close the co-working space and suddenly mm-hmm. everybody's coming in, paying six pounds to come and do the thing. But you just seemed like so reactive, like you're the kind of person that just is reactive to the situation that you're in and you make things work and you turn things around. Mm. And like, obviously you're, you, you've said like, with the help of other people and you're not like scared to ask for help or reach out, which I think is really admirable, like, you know, like I think that's important to put out in the world. Like we can all help each other. You don't necessarily need to be able to do everything. All the stuff I know is from tapping people on the shoulder. Like the first work experience I ever did, I just sat behind this guy and I watched him doing Photoshop and I was like, oh, do that again? What? Can I just, and like, it's the only way. And watching people editing, it's just this watch people and that's how you learn. Yeah, you got it. You can't, you can't be scared to ask because then you don't learn anything. Yeah, it was so amazing to go online and to do all the stuff. And it's it's been so creative. And every week coming up with new creative ideas and working with new models all over the world. But the problem with it is there are now, I don't know, thousands of online life drawing groups. And the world is opening up again. So it feels yeah. a bit like this is a really, really fun, creative thing that I would like to present as a course or something. You can come yeah. and find it online. But really the in-person sessions are where we how we stood out it's, it's going to be another challenge because yeah every time I come up with idea an idea everyone in my family and every one of my friends says stop having ideas stop it and then so many people get in touch with me about small projects and yeah I've never learned to especially if it's someone I know if it's someone I don't know I don't mind saying it. I'm not available for that but people that I know who want me to help them with small projects I'm like that, that I'm like that's what I want to do and also I've not even talked about animation, like my favourite thing in the whole yeah, world. Well, to I was do. thinking that because, like, you know, <laughs> joining, you've talked about joining the dots, but, you know, if I'm joining the dots all the way back as a young person, were you always destined to go down this path, do you think? Well, I was, yeah, I always loved art. Art was always my favourite thing, but the school that I went to and the way that it was, it was a bit like, well, it's cool that you're doing art, but you're not going to do art at uni, probably. Um, okay. So. I what did I do I I actually went to Edinburgh College of Art but it was like a split course which was half history of art and half the art school and it apparently was really difficult to get into and me and a friend of mine we both got in and I thought this was perfect because I would have a degree and go to art school and within two weeks I like I basically freaked out because I was like well every time I go to the painting studio they've all done paintings and every time I'm in the lectures I feel like I'm missing out on the painting it was just it was so weirdly mixed and I was spread really thin and I was also only 17 and all I cared about was boys and I was just not interested in anything so I was like shall I just get one thing right and just get the degree I ended up doing the history of art didn't do very well didn't go to lectures got about 10 jobs worked as a delivery driver worked in bars had like 20 jobs and went home to Glasgow every single weekend and then it was only in fourth year that I read a book about something to do with animation I was like oh my goodness I could actually go to art school after all this I could go to art school after uni so I went and studied animation um, at GSA and I was a little bit more grown up and suddenly just it just like it felt like taking off like suddenly I felt okay. like this is where I'm meant to be this is what I'm doing learning all these things and just and just making things all the time when we were at GSA they, they didn't put on a degree show for the animation students and I arranged for us to have our degree show at the GFT the Glasgow Film Theatre and it was 
so good. And they'd never done that. And I invited everybody from CBBs and everybody from all these places where I was like, all these places I want to work, can you all just come? And so we had this a massive show. And then somebody from CBBs at the end came up to me and gave me a little, her number on a post-it note and was just like, could you come and help us with the project? But this is how I got into my first job because then the guy from GSA came to me and said, oh, we actually do work with BBC, so I'll give you a full-time job and you can still do wee bits and bobs for them, which oh, never yeah. ended up happening. But all the other things wouldn't have ended up happening if it wasn't for him offering me That's the job it. in the first place. So, yeah. And are you the kind of person that doesn't have re- regrets because no. you think, well, that was all meant? Yeah. I mean, I, I found it really hard at the time to to see that, but I remember having a yoga teacher who said, see if it wasn't for that guy because I saw him in the street and was like oh yeah I can't believe I had to leave my job I can't believe these things were so hard for me blah 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 I was feeling really sorry for myself but but standing outside my new studio and my yoga teacher was like (laughs) see if it wasn't for that man would you be doing this and since he said that I've yeah don't regret anything because I wouldn't be and if I'd been if I'd ended up working full time at BBC for CBBS, I don't think I would be as fulfilled or I think I would have left and done my own thing because that's that's the way that it works for me so far. Yeah. And I guess all the different things that you are, all the plates you're spinning, they are then going back into your work. Like you're getting inspired all the time, probably like subconsciously, you're not even realising it that all this influence is going back into your animation and your work. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap. It is animating, but also working with kids. And we did one project probably around about 2015. I can't remember exactly when, but I did a project where we, um, it was a Creative Scotland thing and, and with the GFT and a couple of uh, really excellent creative theatre people who are now close friends. We had lots of kids involved. We worked in nurseries with kids and then we made a, we made a film that was animated and, and all the kids came to see the screening and just being a part of that, not just the filmmaking, being a part of the journey with the kids to make the film was just like the best thing in the world. And then I pitched an idea that was a news programme uh, with the same group, I said, let's 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 make another one. And it was a news program presented by children. And so we got, uh, and it's called The News and Weather. It was kind of based on me and my brother when we were little presenting the news <laughs> to my parents. And so we made this film, The News and Weather, and the two anchors were actors, actor kids. And we had them in a green screen studio and had all the words coming up. But then the content was like real content from kids in nurseries and like Shettleston and Addison. There's like all these kids in, like there were kids in the nursery that was like right next to the Red Road flats when one of them, like one of the towers had like just been knocked down. And uh, our job was to go in and ask them, like, what's the news for you, little guys? Like, they were like, they were like three and four. And so we had microphones interviewing them and they told us the news and we we turned it into a news program. It was so cool because with the tower, the wee guy said, he was like, oh, that's where I used to live. And, um, and his little mate was like, I knocked the tower down. It was me. I did it with my laser eyes. And then so we animate these, this him flying in going pew, pew, pew. And, him, and like, so any story they told, like somebody said, oh, these these people came in. These people came in to uh, the playground. And, and the, you know, kids just, they start a story that they're, that they're, and they know they're allowed to make it up. So they keep going. So I was a kid that was like, and he was making pancakes and then the bumblebees came in and ate everything. And so we're like, okay, this is animation. Gold. <laughs> Quality content. Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no one in the world who wouldn't find that fun to do as a job. 
It was only, I mean, it was only two projects, but I've always said to Matt, who uh, who who kind of directed and wrote both of these both of these films, just miss being with the kids because they're amazing. And the combination of working with kids and and teaching them animation and watching their reactions, like I can, we can film something with a green screen in the background, and then we can put you anywhere in the world. So like, where do you want to be? That is fun. If that can be your job. That, I mean, that's that's going to be my job, if that can be my job. Actually, you're the first animator that's been on the podcast. So oh, cool. It's just so much fun to think that you can make a film about something, but you can put things that aren't real into the film to, to share a message or to share something that's in your imagination. So I do. I have lots of weird dreams all the time. Not so much recently, but I used to write them down. And they're just, okay. it's just, I've never had the time to do it, but that's the stuff you want to make animations out of. Just yes. strange ideas. And uh, being able to, no, it's not, when when we say animation, I kind of, I don't specialize in any one type. So it mm. might be live action and then there's something, uh, it's like lots of special effects stuff, lots of live action. And I also work with stop motion and motion graphics. So it just depends on the story, but that's what's so fun about mm. it. Like, how do you want this? How do you want the, the real world to be presented in your film is kind of how I approach it with clients. Um things like people just people just doing normal things and then there's these crazy animated things that happen in the real world and turning real things into like into things that look very strangely awesome and do you have like a like a dream project like you're like if I could do that what what would that be well the ultimate dream project that's hopefully going to happen when we're finished the house is Ben and I want to make a film together that's not that's commissioned by us a film that we are going to write and make and try and win some awards or something or just make a film for the fun of like he's a carpenter I'm an animator we've done a lot of work together already and it'd be so nice to make a film but before that happens I really want to develop so because I've been doing so much work online I really want to develop an online animation course for kids that's just up there. I just want to make it so it's done. And it's, it's almost like it feels to me a little bit like a, like writing a book. I want it to be made so it's out there. And then it's just for whoever wants to access it because they can, they'll get access to, I guess it would be me presenting it, but a lot of technical information, how to make the films, what you would need to get and buy. And then maybe like they can, they can, they could consult with me over Zoom or something as well. I don't, I don't know how much, but. I want to go on this course. Never mind the wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well i need some uh what what do you call them i need some guinea pigs i need some test children so i wanted to do it at the beginning of lockdown last year and all the young nudes and, and this were both running Aye, i think you're a bit busy <laughs> but it was kind of hard to decide which one to do but there was just because there were so many people i know who have kids who were saying that it would be so helpful if they had somewhere yeah. to put their children for a while <laughs> and it's just i could only okay. do one i could only do one yeah and you clearly done it brilliantly do you know what I mean like you're oh, saying thank you like even just looking like in your Instagram page the amount of followers you've got and I know that obviously doesn't always equate but you're, you've spoke about numbers you've spoke about how many people were in the room how many people you've had online you have built this community and it's obviously really important to people people get so much from it there'll have been like you know partnerships and friendships formed that you don't even get to know about like there'll be so many stories built from the thing the places and the spaces that you've created not just all the young nudes but you know Toast Caravan as well and I think I just think it's brilliant like you, you're obviously just somebody who creates opportunity for yourself but for other people and I think that's really really special and it's it's dead inspiring yeah it's just like having parties isn't it 
it hurts so much that we can't have a party yet. Like this, I think this has actually changed me as a person, not being able to have parties. It's like, that's when I see everybody though. So not having the co-working space and not being able to have parties has been so tough. Zoom call does yeah. not cut it. I, I can't not think of the events that we'll have in the house because it's such a perfect space. I would never hire an event space ever again because the house is so perfect. Oh, it's a shame for Ben. He wants to just live there. <laughs> You're like, Ben, do you know me? Ben, please. This is clearly going to be the, the base for the the Bentaskan Street Market Obviously. with the jazz band and the life drawing and the sushi stall. Like, this is not your living room, sorry. They're like, do you know who you married? <laughs> I love it. I want your life, Joanna. I don't know if you do. <laughs> Well, I definitely want some of your bravery and your yes attitude for sure. I think it's like you've totally invigorated me just speaking like to me. So thanks very much. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. I'm going to take you on to what's called the hingamajigs. They're just random questions and I've selected a few for you if you will yeah. indulge me. Hingamajigs. <laughs> I love it. What's your biggest pet peeve? When people show up without telling you they're coming. <laughs> Sorry to everybody, but it just does my head in I mean you can understand based on everything I've told you that when somebody comes along and you're like oh my god I would love to but sorry no can't you see I'm spinning all these plates <laughs> fair enough fair dues I'm sure I'm sure anybody that does actually know you knows not to do that basically yeah and it's good to put it out in the world as you've just built a new house <laughs> yeah exactly anyone listening don't problem problem being that we're going to be broadcast on channel four so kind of putting ourselves out there a little bit Get the privacy while we can. <laughs> totally. Um, oh, I'm going to do the old favourite, but I always enjoy this one. Um, who would your three dinner party guests be? So, of course, if you were inviting people, who would those three people be? Well, right now, I would say Kevin McLeod because we got hardly any time with him because of COVID. We got him for an hour. So, oh, Kevin, top of the list. Love mm-hmm. that guy. Yeah. Um, oh, this is really hard because I've gone completely blank. Um, my grandma on my dad's side who's passed away so if she could come that'd be really nice lovely and my other grandma if she could come that'd be nice great Kevin and my two dead grandmas weird listen it's your dinner party <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know if a lot of us would get on very well <laughs> <laughs> um the hingamajigs they change up all the time but the last one I ask everyone is what is your favorite Scots word or phrase a uh, Glicket. Yes. <laughs> it's got to be. It it's quite way. funny being married to someone who's from Botswana because any of these words, even not the, not the obvious ones even, they're just, uh, he likes to recreate them. He, he's got quite a good Scottish accent now. It's <laughs> just, just absolutely rips us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Joanna, but, I can't thank you enough and hopefully um, I will... Um, see you in real life and hear about all the amazing adventures that you're on in the next few months because I can really imagine what's going to happen in the next few months in in the life and times of Joanna. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't even know what we were going to talk about but I was very inspired by the other conversations you were having so I thought I'd like to be a part of that and I just really wanted to thank you for for inviting me on but also for hosting this podcast just in your spare time because it's such a brilliant thing to do to bring people together and yeah thanks well done it's brilliant that's that's very kind of you thank you very much oh my goodness you need to come back to Belsell for a cup of home homecoming for Frank Frank your beautiful dog 
I can't believe Frank's from Bells Hill. I'm so chuffed. I know. We always talk about the Bells Hill young team and how Frank's like come so far. <laughs> He's moved up in the world, Frank. He has. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd love to come back. hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Braun the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.